Welcome to January Magazine's On Acting, where we talk to actors a little bit about where they've worked, a little more about why they work, and a lot about how they work. Today I'm joined by Chris William Martin, and Chris is known from CBC's Tom Stone, and just recently rap production on a, uh, say it for me, Chris, Neil... Neil Blom, Blomkamp. Blomkamp show uh, in Africa. So Chris, welcome to On, on Acting, and uh, we'll start with the question we always start with, where did you grow up? Um, thank you for having me. Where did I grow up? Uh, in the Fraser Valley of British Columbia, about an hour outside of Vancouver in a town called Yarrow, which was uh, at one time known to be uh, uh, in the Guinness Book of World Records for having the most churches per capita. Oh, really? Yeah. So fun fact about Yarrow, B.C., if you've never driven by there on the way to Hope. The capita is small, just to be clear. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So there's one church, but not that many people. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what was your first uh, experience of performance? Were you, were you a young guy who was performing all the time? Yeah, I mean, uh, before I was doing it professionally, uh, you know, we were, my sister and I were deeply immersed in playtime. I mean, we traveled uh, quite some distance to go to school every day. So when we got home at the end of the day, there weren't necessarily a lot, uh, necessarily a lot of our friends uh, locally. So we played a lot and did a lot of voices and trade-off. I'd make her play G.I. Joe and then she'd make me play Barbie. And, and this was, I guess, between that and my parents being really enthusiastic about talking in character voices and playing games in this way. So there was always sort of like a, a little bit of performance aspect to our family dynamic growing up. Oh, really? So you felt, and were your parents in the performing arts at all or any kind of performance? No, arts? no, not at all. My, my dad was basically a numbers guy for most of his life working as an accountant. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom. But yeah. uh, they were both avid readers and, and, uh, and kind of general storytellers. And so uh, we were very social and, and jokey uh, as a family unit. And were you involved in uh, like theater productions in in elementary school, high school, whatever? No, you know, I was uh, every every year at our elementary school. Certainly, there was like at least one kind of a production, whether it was a Christmas holiday production or something in the spring. And and uh, I never was cast. I don't actually recall anybody auditioning for roles. I, I seem to feel like they just picked people that would play the acting parts. But I was always in the choir. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah so yeah. I I never. It was not actually until. Um, probably seventh grade, I think, when you could start choosing as electives what your what your courses would be, and yeah. uh, and I I chose uh, acting class or or drama class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the easy credit, mainly yeah. it wasn't like I was <laughs> right. really like interested in doing anything dramatically, but uh, that did lead ultimately to an eleventh grade when I was in Richmond High. Uh, I did do a one act play called The Actor's Nightmare, and that was the first time that I was on stage in any kind of uh, production. And did you know from that moment that this was something that was for you? Um, you know, I had, I, I guess I said something that was a little misleading. That was the first time that I was live on stage. I had already worked in television at that point. Oh, so, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, so what was so, that first pro job? I mean, yeah. it's rare that somebody starts yeah, acting so young. Yeah, I mean, when I was, when I was, I think I might have actually, I think I was actually 14 when I booked the job, and we started shooting it when I was 15. I did a teen soap opera that they shot locally at BC TV Studios as an independent series, and it was very much like a soap opera where they shot an episode a day, uh, uh, a lot of work, a lot of pages, this kind of thing, and um, they were, they just had an open call casting, and I, I went mainly because I, I knew somebody else that was going, and everybody else that I knew was out of town because it was like a long weekend or something, so right. I attended this <sighs> casting session, uh, and all in all, they saw over 4,000 kids in the province. Like it was a massive canvas casting thing, cast, right. cattle call that uh, took place over a couple of weekends, and I kept getting called back and then was whittled down to one of the final choices and actually wasn't even the first choice for the part. There was a kid that I was, I, I think I mainly got the job because I had a black leather jacket, like a motorcycle jacket that I was, like I bought because of Booker and, and uh, 21 Jump Street and this kind of stuff. Like yeah, it was yeah, a cool right. jacket. So like the guy that they were going to hire also had that jacket. <laughs> and, but he also had teenage, uh, like uh, uh, tattoos and was like this really tough teenager there with his dad. They were both smoking cigarettes. And, oh, like, really? Yeah. And that was the guy wow. that got the job. But then he couldn't do it because he booked uh, Stephen King's It which was a TV movie that they I shot back that. The, uh, back in the day here in Vancouver. And so he was like the bully in that and couldn't do this goofy little show that which I saw. Which was called what? Uh, my show? Yeah. It was called, in, in Canada, it aired as Hillside. Okay. And then in the States, it aired as 15 and was picked up by Nickelodeon Network. And we ultimately made 65 episodes over like four years moving the show to Ottawa and shooting there, and then finally shooting it in Florida for two seasons at or uh, Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando, Florida. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you're, you get this job, and uh, 
you kind of sounds like you went on a whim like it's a long weekend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I knew nothing about acting and, and it wasn't even necessarily a dream of mine. It's like, I think every kid likes attention and like mm-hmm. it was fun to have that attention. But uh, in terms of the mechanics of acting, the 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 profession of, you know, like the business, I knew nothing about it. And, and it was really a trial by fire because that series, we, the guy that made that show had actually made it once before. And for anybody who's a, a listener in Vancouver and knows the Vancouver scene at all, there's an actor named Martin Cummins. And Martin had originally played my role. And they did 13 episodes and sold it to the Disney Channel. And it was uh, a teen, like a, a kid's soap opera. And he was having these kids um, improvise the dialogue. And nobody liked the fact that these kids were making up their own dialogue. So he retooled the show, remade it, recast it, and brought us all in to, to – to do it. And because he was so concerned about the script aspect of the show and having kids memorize material, that was a big part of preparation to shoot the show. Because once we actually got up and running, we only shot for 13 days in a row and then we're done. Uh, typically, a TV show takes, what, six to eight days to make. Yeah, yeah. And so we were shooting a whole season in essentially oh, wow. t- two episodes worth of shooting. And because of that, he was mainly interested that we had the material memorized, that when it came to us shooting our scenes, that we knew our words and would get it essentially in one take when you're trying to get the whole episode in one day. Yeah, so that was uh, your first lesson. Yeah, and so that was the main the main focal point of acting at that early stage was just to prove that you could memorize the scenes. Right. And interestingly enough, that always becomes a question down the line. Like once, you, once you've been doing it for a while, everybody always wants to, to know, like, how do you memorize all those words? And like, right. how do you remember all that stuff? And and obviously at the beginning, it's sort of a daunting task. But uh, truly, you're, you're memorizing uh, – there's a, there's a logic – Hopefully, ideally, there's a logic, rhyme, and reason to the scene. And so it's not like you're memorizing arbitrary words and random right. statements. So, like, yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, so it was really a trial by fire. They took me to set on the first day and said we were going to block the scene, and I had no idea what he was talking about. And I was like a moving cardboard cutout for the whole series pretty much. I mean, like I was immediately really uncomfortable on camera and oh, kind man. of like uh, stiff and wooden and quiet, which in some way lended itself to the character who was like this dark and brooding, uh, disconnected teenager. So like it kind of worked, but it was also really terrible. But then so was the show as a whole. I mean, there was like no like right. award winning. Nothing happened in there. We all were just learning what to do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you were how old at this point? I was 15, and we finished that show uh, probably I was like 17 and a half or just coming on 18, something like that. So. Oh, wow. So you did it for two seasons, two years. Yeah. I, I think it was actually probably three. First season in Vancouver, second one in Ottawa, and then I think two seasons in Florida. Yeah, so two seasons. Four, Florida, seasons, so four seasons over two years. Over kind of like three years, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, And from – do you feel like as the season went on – or as the, the – not that season, but as the seasons went on, you – Obviously, you grew more and you learned more, uh, and the director probably became less concerned about you guys knowing your lines and became concerned about performance at all. Or did you yeah, start to think and, about that? Well, and independently of that show, was just that once I did the first season of that show, then I went and got an agent, then I started auditioning, then I started to get into acting as something to do. Yeah, and and in very short order, decided it it was the thing that I wanted to do. And uh, I ultimately dropped out of high school as a result of that. Like I, I only, I, I was like January of my twelfth year in school, and was taking a philosophy course, and we were talking about what we wanted to do. And I knew that I wanted to be an actor, and that I wasn't going to go to uh, UBC and get a theater degree or something like this. That I, I was already doing it. So, right. um, in that conversation with my teacher, my teacher encouraged me to actually drop out and just go do the thing I wanted to do because oh, he said wow. everyone else is here because they don't know what they want to do, which was really empowering in its own way. Yeah. Um, so and then that, yeah, so I started my career uh, at a pretty you know in my teens, and then that evolved to us moving to Los Angeles and and living there and coming back and forth and kind of becoming a professional actor. You, when you say us, you mean the show? No, no, no. I mean that uh, there were there were friends of mine in and around that time. It was the thing to do, and still probably still kind of is. I actually don't know what the young actors today in Vancouver whether they go down for pilot season like like we used to because the the pattern of of delivering film and television has changed where pilot season isn't necessarily so much a thing anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh But uh, so this is uh, you moved down to LA much later, I'm assuming. Yeah, I I mean my first year in Los Angeles I was 21 and the only one in our group who was actually of legal age down there. Right. Yeah. And so after you finish the show, you're, uh, let's see, 14, 15, 17, 18. Yeah. So what do you do those the next couple of years? The um, almost immediately after the Nickelodeon series wrapped, I booked a part on a series shot locally in Vancouver called Madison, which was about kids in high school. Yeah. So I'd gone from sort of 
playing a very young teenager to playing like a senior teenager on Madison. And I wore the same jacket, actually. And I think once again, I got this job because I had this epic motorcycle jacket. And I wore uh, it for that whole series. It is an epic jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we did. Yeah, we did 65 episodes of Madison over the course of whatever that was, three and a half to four years. And I wore that jacket for that whole job as well. Playing you wore it on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Playing wow. the same character, essentially. I went from Dylan Blackwell to Jamie Novak. But in both cases, I was in the leather jacket with the sort of messy hair and the ripped jeans. Right. And the, uh, my mom didn't give me enough hugs, tear leaking out of my eye sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so are, are you – Do you, I mean, I don't know. Are you feeling like throughout this – this is uh, you're learning as you go and you're kind of figuring things out and, and your process is changing, your process is changing? Yes. Yeah. I mean, by the time I started doing Madison, I was working closely with other actors on that show in downtime to kind of really understand the the machine of making film. And because at this stage, I still wasn't really certain whether I was oh, – I only wanted to be an actor or did I want to write and, and, and did I want to be a director? Did I fully understand the medium that I was working in? And so I feel like where the Nickelodeon show was kind of a performance school, Madison was kind of learning. It was it it it, it further honed my my acting abilities, but it was also like my technical school right. in understanding the the technical aspects of filmmaking. And, and you and I have talked about these kinds of things before where it's like there are things, you know, for example, in a scene where we're talking and I want to set my coffee cup down, but I don't want to set it down over your line because that's going to be a problem later. And so you try to build that into the rhythm of how you work. But ultimately that pours over into your personal life and like certain certain things from, from your work environment inform your personal life as well. But yeah, um, but yeah that, that uh, um, Madison... What do, mean, what do you mean certain things from your personal... Uh, you mean like in terms of Technically, how you interact with people, or, or do you mean? Uh... I mean, it's kind of an all-encompassing thing. I was thinking a lot about all of this on the way over here because we were going to talk about acting and my process, and and I feel like so much of uh, who I am, uh, I try to put in my work, but but so much of what I've learned from the process of working, I've applied to my own life. Look, I, I'm not normally a guy who uh, historically has. Uh, asked a lot of questions about himself and like uh, gone through a lot of self-analysis or even like analysis with a professional but like this is a big part of your job as an actor is to wonder why your character is doing these things and and, and what's motivating this thing and like trying to understand the dynamic between these characters and and it's often revelatory in my own personal life like like it helps me to understand the the world that I live in outside of film and television sure yeah yeah what um do you feel like how you work has obviously changed, but do you think there's a foundation that you built in those first couple shows that you still use now, or is it vastly different now the way you work? I would say that it's vastly different, and it's for a variety of reasons. You know, part of my journey in, in this industry has been getting a handle on who I am. Uh, who Like, who I think I am, and, and, and what I think I can do and what I can't do, versus what they would like me to be. Uh, you know, I did when I first moved to Los Angeles, not long after I was there, I booked a pilot for Aaron Spelling and we remade Aaron Spelling's Hotel. And this is a series that was in the 80s that we we reshot in sort of early 2000s. And when I got that job, they recommended that I get the gap in my teeth filled because I have a little uh, like kind of Madonna type gap between my front two teeth. And and so I did. And we also straightened my hair and like chemically straightened it. And then uh I remember during the shooting of it as well, they, they, the director kept uh, telling me to close my mouth when I wasn't speaking. Oh, really? And so, like, all of these things combined, the, and because, like, everyone's got their own things that they go through on set. But for me, it was really, like, I look back on that and I realize how much they were trying to make me something other than what I really was. Or, hmm. like, they liked the thing about me but then tried to just make it fit into this thing because I'm not really that guy. I'm not the primped you know, like I'm not, I'm not what they were trying to make me out to be really yeah. at all. Do you think anybody is? To start um, with? I, well, I don't, I don't know. It's a good question. I, I feel like for me, uh, really, you know, cause there's, listen, there's like a bevy of uh, material out there. There's, there's always auditions that you can go to or not go to, uh, and what motivates you to actually perform in the first place can get muddied cause you just want to work and you just want to like, you want to be out there and you want to be successful and, 
And yet oftentimes you can be, be very much like a trombone trying to go and audition for a rock band. And it's like as good as you play the trombone, they just there's no part in this for you because like you don't fit the thing. And, and this I mean, this 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 brings up all these questions of like tone and performance and, and how casting gets done and and getting lost in all of that. I mean, it's like such an all encompassing thing. That yeah, like, yeah. For me, at the end of the day, I really needed to. And it took me a long time. I mean, I'm going to be 42 in January. And I feel like for the first time in my life, only in the last couple of years, I've had a really strong sense of self. Like, uh, uh, and, and previously, I'd kind of gotten lost in that a little bit because uh, you're, you're, you're constantly putting yourself out there for other people and not necessarily always getting positive feedback or any feedback at all. Yeah, yeah. And so you can get, uh, you can lose footing in that and sort of not, not know anymore. And so it's know. interesting. I mean, like uh, to be off topic a little bit, the sense of self, do you feel like your sense of self, especially since, as you stated, that we're all as actors, always trying to define that because it's important to know who you are so that you can bring that to the table and, and know the aspects of yourself. Do you feel like, uh, I hear what you're saying, and I relate to the fact that getting a real sense of self as, as we get older, but do you feel like that's come in waves throughout your life or do you feel like just now is the first time ever? Well, I kind of feel like it's it's a lot of those things, which is like you reach the peak and for just that split second, think I made it to the top only to turn behind you and see there's another climb right. waiting. Like it's just, it yeah. is really all kind of unending in that way. Yeah. Um, so that like maybe but this is the sense of self that you are now, uh, mm -hmm. but before you maybe had a good sense of yourself or no, do you feel like this is the first time ever? Um, I think that probably the most fair answer is to say that I didn't really spend too much time thinking about it. Yeah, right. And you have to consider, too, that, I mean, everybody's got their own story in terms of how they got involved in whatever their craft or profession is. And, and for me, I started relatively young and was also relatively lucky. I mean, it takes, it's, you know, like people can debate whether the word luck even applies. I, I think it does. I think that it's like most things. It requires skill and dedication and also a little bit of luck. And, and for me... I, my first job was as a series lead, and then maybe not my second job because I think I did a TV movie, but my third job was a series lead, right. and then that led me to Toronto where I was then a series lead on something. And so, like, I, I – and when you're young and that's suddenly happening – and you go from being a kid in high school uh, hoping to, like, scrape together 800 bucks to buy a car that's mostly made out of rust. Yeah. And then suddenly you're the star of a show and, and, and getting paid extraordinarily well for this, for this, um, for this job. It's like uh, how, how you handle that can influence a lot of things. And, and for me, I, I, I just really enjoyed that ride, honestly, more right. than doing any kind of work or really taking a real look at now that I have this opportunity, like, uh, what am I going to do with it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that requires, uh, you know, I mean, I, I even as I tell you this, I sort of feel like, oh, like I, I'm, I, I almost feel like I'm looking back on that whole experience with uh, I wish I could have done it differently. And that's not true. Like I had an amazing experience as a, as a kid and as a young actor and then as a young man in Los Angeles. And I made a lot of money and I had a lot of fun. And uh, I didn't I didn't necessarily uh, have an explosive career. And I still might. I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But like where I'm at today and where I went through and where I got to today, I really like. And and uh, where that will lead, I'm not really sure. I just hope that I'm always looking over my shoulder to see more peak to climb. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's assume for a second you weren't lucky. I mean, let's just like maybe you were lucky to get the first thing. What do you think if you could attribute your that early success to something, what would you attribute it to? Because... You did. It, uh, it's undeniable. You did go from series lead to series lead, and that has to be more than luck. So, what could it have been? I would say it was a lot of balls. Yeah, you know, it just it was the balls to go for it and to put yourself out there. And to, I remember uh, talking to a guy that worked locally here, and this is after I'd been to Los Angeles, and he he pointed that out. He said, you know, I just never had the balls to go to L.A. And and it's not like going to L.A. is like. Uh, better than staying in Vancouver to work or whatever. But I think that that was really something that worked for me was that I had a lot of balls when I was a kid yeah. and would say and do things uh, that were pretty audacious and uh, and exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, But what was missing was hard work. And you'll find that with people who didn't get a lot of stuff handed to them or didn't have a lot of stuff come easy is that they have a strong work, work ethic and and are understand what the hard work is as well as are willing to do it. Right. You know? And, and you feel like you maybe learned that later. I, that was a much later learned life lesson, right. yeah. So, I mean, to get back to your what you do when you get a job, 
what's the first thing now that you do when you get a script or sides or what's like what's your first thing uh i think the very first thing i do is is try not to act like extraordinarily thrilled because i just like <laughs> i like getting jobs so like i want to jump up and down and call everyone because every time it's the same yeah. but um once i book the job then uh Honestly, like what's it's a sort of a funny thing to say, but these days the first thing that I normally do is I get to read the full script because and you know this as well, it's not often these days that when you are auditioning for or even in the callback or negotiating for the part that you've even been shown the script. Right. Like it's just it's a it's a it's a condition of Twitter and Facebook and all this where uh, they they have like watermarked things and everything's really private and non-disclosure things and all that stuff. So so I read the script and then I and then I and I really try to get a sense for what the tone of the piece is because it always comes back to tone for me and not just the broad strokes of is is this a comedy or a drama but like what is the director or writer trying to say and what is right. the part that I'm playing that fits in to underscore what this is. Yeah yeah and. Um, and much like because I'm self-taught with acting and I'm self-taught with music as well. And so like a big part of my process in getting ready to play a piece is to just go over it and over it and over it. And while I'm doing that, I literally mean go over the words. Do you? Uh, so how do you do that? Uh, I, I, I read them. Uh, actually, you know, it's interesting. Lately, I've been, yeah, I've been, I, I don't often say them out loud. Uh, I have more recently as a memorization tool i've been typing out on an old typewriter actually uh my dialogue and just my dialogue and also even more recently i've been omitting punctuation as i type it up so that uh i'm not really married to anything any way of saying it any way of reading it but that just that i have the words and the yeah, wrong yeah. words um so and in going over the words, so like one of the goals is to memorize these words as they're written, uh, to find any pockets where I'm struggling with memorization and then identifying why that is. Uh, and it always seems to fall back to uh, how deep the foundation of your ideas are and how much weight they can hold. Your ideas yeah, in as, relation to the script. Yes. And so, I mean, generally I find that if I, can't, if I can't remember a certain word or phrase in a line of dialogue, it's because I haven't thought deeply enough about why I'm saying that. Yeah, I yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so a big part of the early process is just reading it and reading it and reading it over and over again. And then uh, making either mental notes or physical notes alongside the material as I do that. Uh, but, uh, but generally not really saying it out loud too much. Yeah. Um, and that's just that's just me, and that's just how I work. I've heard that you know Christopher Walken likes to read his dialogue in various characters, including Bugs Bunny or Yosemite Sam, so that it's not his own voice, but it's it's being said out loud as he learns it, and it's a way to memorize it or whatever. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. my process is uh, for for whatever reason to not really say it out loud too much. Do you start thinking about? the physical life of the character at all or does that come into play much later do you start physicalizing anything i would say that um the the better that i get to know a character the more the more i start to gravitate toward uh previous ideas that i've had or little little um little gems i've held on to that like might apply um i feel like as i get closer to and more familiar with the material there comes a natural um manifestation of the the whole character in my mind that isn't is is more intuitive than intentional it's not like i have like a real hard fast process to to build a character for a part every time it's it is a pretty intuitive thing i would say you so you never i mean i i, I don't either but i have heard of actors who specifically say like i you know i had this inspiration from some other character or something from real life is that something that you ever do um sometimes yeah i mean i'll i'll tell you that uh, that this this has also been like an evolutionary process like just the what is my process and so um i did something completely different on this job that i just finished which is um i i put a lot of physical uh, work into preparing for the part. And I don't mean like I went to the gym and did a bunch of push-ups and stuff, but like um, the scene required like a certain kind of tension and and I needed and I wanted to feel and look exhausted uh, right. in the moments before the scene goes down. And so while I was on set for that one, 
I, I ran it in my trailer. And this is one of the things I love about technology is like my phone, like everybody's phone shoots video and takes pictures now. So like I would actually shoot myself running the scene and then watch it to see what I liked and what I didn't like and what was resonating and what wasn't. And then when we got to set, I spent all my spare time in this other location nearby set that was really hot and did lots of like push-ups and deep squats and a little bit of like Tai Chi and this kind of stuff to, to really, uh, to really get me sweating and kind of shaky and like to the, to the point of exhaustion. I have to say like physically, because I've never done deep squats like that. In the days that followed, my legs were so <laughs> exhausted. I couldn't believe just from squatting up yeah, and down. Yeah. I guess you call them air squats or whatever. But yeah, so like this was like, this was a, d- a departure for me in terms of preparing for, uh, Part. And the scene didn't require me to like cry or like the, I just needed to be uh, at my emotional wits end and like and used something kind of new. I tried it out here and I actually I don't, you know, because I haven't seen it yet. And I do like to watch my work to see what works and what doesn't, particularly when I'm trying something new. Yeah. And so I'm curious to see how this thing in particular plays because um, because I was doing something new. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So would you say that mostly you do the same kind of thing every time, every time you go to approach a role or do you now? I mean, obviously, that's different. That's a new thing. But for the most part, do you kind of approach things the same or do you change it up every time? Is it different every time? Um, uh, it's kind of a it's a difficult question to answer because I feel like a lot of I feel like the the kind of material I've been reading for in Vancouver uh it's not a massive amount of variety. Um, I, I do feel like a lot of the roles are, are, are similar, and so they require a similar kind of preparation. Um, having said that, I haven't booked many of those roles, so maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, uh, that brings up a, a point. That, is there a difference between when you're preparing? So let's say you just booked the job and you, don't, you didn't audition for it, or you did it was a while ago. Would there be a difference between the way you work on the audition and the way that you work on the, the, the job, the script, or is it a very similar process? Well, it's they're, they're influenced by different th- – I mean, once you've got the job, you know that you're their guy. And I haven't had many experiences on set, except for that Aaron Spelling one I outlined, where where that was ever in question. Like once I've booked the job, I've always had that confidence of knowing that like I am their guy and like they pick me out of everybody else. And so like – that this is what they like, and so I'm I'm imbued with that confidence. Yeah, yeah. Um, not in the audition process, you don't know that, and it's often it's oftentimes a guessing game for me anyway, where I feel like I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, what I can bring to this part and what I like about this part and, and how I can relate to the material. But I also would like to know what it is that they like and don't like, and it's impossible to guess these things. You right. can't help but get caught up in in it to some degree. And that's why it's like good to have a, a strong sense of what tone is, because if the tone of the piece is like this and I'm reading for the ex-boyfriend, uh, well, how do they want me to, f- how do you want to feel about this ex-boyfriend? Like, do you, do you, is he a bad guy? Is he like a nice guy? Do you want him to like go off in the world and have his own happiness? Like, are we rooting for him or not? You have to understand these things when you're, when you're creating the character and like getting ready to audition and then try to, try to, try to fit, try to fit into the piece. Yeah. Are you, so you're trying to think about, it's interesting that you say you're trying to think about what they want. I, 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 is that something you consider or is that something that you, yeah, it is something I consider for sure. And it's, and it's, it's, and when I say they, I just even can mean what the writer means. Like, right. look, I had this audition recently where I'm like, uh, I'm the other guy in the TV movie, and we uh, we're a couple, but it's not really working, and we break up, and it's okay that we break up, and she ends up with the other guy, the guy we want to root for. Yeah. So what's important for my job in this is to not seem like the guy that you'd want to root for. Like, you got to seem okay, but like, you don't want to seem like the guy she's going to root for because otherwise it kind of muddies the story. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I got to be a good guy, but not a great guy, you know, and that's what they want, you know, and so you try to give them your version of that. Uh, or at least I, that's, that's what I try to do. So, how much uh, this bring, uh, makes me think about the technical aspects of, of your performances? How much do you think about the technical aspects of your performance in terms of everything? I mean, whatever you want, however you want to take that, the lighting, the, the, uh, delivery of dialogue, all of it. How much does that come into your prep um, as you're shooting? I mean, it's a, it, is a, it's, it is a part of what I'm considering when I'm getting ready to shoot, for sure. You know, how you, how you want to occupy the frame, uh, what kind of presence you want to have, and 
you know, these are these are big ideas that can also be um, real traps. It's like because at the end of the day, I, I really want to be coming from like a real and authentic place that uh, isn't uh, uh, caught up in thinking about the minutia of what's happening on camera. Yeah. And you know, I think there's a tendency: the more that you think, the more that you think or overthink any one aspect of it, the the harder you're making your job. Maybe unless you can let go of all that. So, um, yeah, I I I would say that um, I'm I'm more interested these days in um, the technical part of my performance than I used to be. What I what I mean by that is like I I look at examples of like I really loved uh, Jim. Carry in Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events because he was playing this larger-than-life character, but he was also just, if you watch that film and you see his understanding of frame and how he fills the frame yeah, and, yeah. and these kinds of things, they, they enhance the performance. And if you're skilled enough to do that, it's wonderful. And if you're, if you're not, keep working because it's worth doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do you, so do you think about delivering your performance to the audience in the case of, I mean, obviously film and television, the audience happens to be in, in a camera or the crew. I mean, do you think about the crew at all as the audience or the camera? Yeah, I mean, there was a long time where I really used the crew as my primary audience because you, you want to have that, that the magic of movies is a, so this unspoken thing, which is a synergy that you can feel or like there's a transaction that takes place that like is, is multi-layered and, and, and fabricating those consistently is sometimes hard to do. And so I would, I would use the, the crew as an audience. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I also uh, I think too about in the arc of my career, when I was young, I was really interested in uh, being real and authentic and and uh, like James Dean, like uh, you know, um, and a lot of a, a lot of us young actors were. But um, one of the things I'm very mindful of today in my performance is that it, it generally, and I say you know pretty generally, it needs to be entertaining. It's entertainment. It's it's show business and like as real as the scene plays sometimes real is actually not that interesting and like a a uh, you know uh, you want to still uh, you want to be relatable so that people understand where your character is coming from and can relate to it but they would we also would like them to be entertained so yeah. if they can so if you and you and if you can you know I mean this is this is like uh, we're talking about like the higher levels of acting where it's like you're trying to do multiple things you're trying to really have a real moment that like people can relate to and is really engaging and and yet still entertain them with that and and uh, and uh, you know it's exciting when it's when it's at its best it is a really a wonderful feeling absolutely and do you think that that is aesthetic or maturity that leads you to that I mean like because that I agree with you. <laughs> But do you think that that's a changing aesthetic in acting in general, or do you think that you're as a as a more mature actor, you're coming to that place now? It's a phase you go through. Well, like it's interesting. I mean, it's funny because like I I'm a guy who came up in television, and like there are you know television's in a golden age again right now. There's really a lot of great television, great writers in television. But when I was coming up in television. Uh, television was a certain kind of thing, and uh, and there wasn't so much of this uh, high quality writing as there was high quality presentation, mm -hmm. and and so uh, I didn't study a lot of plays, and I wasn't educated in in the art of film and film and uh, television, and so my own process has been along the way in starting to take it seriously and and really considering it my craft and a craft that I want to hone. It's been a, a long process of really becoming an artist. And I, you know, I mean, I think that there's, there, there are a few younger performers out there that have always been great artists and from a young age, and there's a certain awareness or a certain thing that motivates them that, you know, like when I was a kid, I, I just liked having money and I liked being on TV and being recognized. And like, it was a, it was all ego driven shit. Right. And, and that is no longer the case, and for a variety of reasons. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm very much now interested in the art of, and it's such an all-encompassing thing. I mean, we can talk about uh, what I do to prepare, or like uh, whether I'm interested in the technical aspects of, and and the dynamic. I mean, it's like it's, there's so much, and it's all it's all interconnected in such a way that. Um, it's it's sometimes difficult to talk about. It's why we often talk about in metaphor about like artistic endeavors, you know, because yeah, you yeah. have to liken it to something else because it's so abstract. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When you uh, do you do you are you a guy who warms up when you're getting ready to do something to warm up? I mean, obviously you talked about warming up physically for that particular part that you just did. Do you warm up emotionally ever? 
Do you think about that? Yeah, if I yeah, definitely. I mean, like, uh, um, you know, I, I like to be prepared when I get on set. And like, that wasn't always the case either. I mean, you used to have this luxury, uh, especially in television, because of the fast pace that it's moving at that you just keep your sides in your pocket and just refer to them as as need be. But um, I've I've been on sets recently where they actually won't even issue sides because they want you to be prepared when you step on a set. And I and I'm a big proponent of that. And I try to be, uh, yeah. And so you know to to get emotionally ready for a scene that's emotionally demanding, I, I I will use various tools to kind of get me there. Whether it's listening to music or uh, reading over a passage is something that really affects me. There's a uh, for whatever reason I've always like uh, there is a version of. And I'm blanking on the guy's name right now. He's this French singer, and he's singing. Um, if I could think for a second, I could hear the whole song. But anyway, I like there is a there is a YouTube clip of this guy singing uh, that makes me cry. Like every time I watch it, uh, and and I part of it, part of it I think comes from I know now that it makes me cry, and right. so like uh, I let that happen when I watch this this clip. Is it feeling uh, it or is it? Ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas, ne me quitte pas. It's like, don't leave me, don't leave me, right? And yeah, it's like, yeah. but it's as the guy's singing it, he's weeping and like, it just gets me every time. So like, I have little tools like this that I like keep keep around if I need to like, uh, not really, because oftentimes too, I can conjure the mindset of the character and really come from that place yeah. and really truly actually emote from that, the idea as it's written. Sometimes you can't or it's hard or... Or you put too much pressure on yourself to do it, and then you need like a tool like this. Right. Like, oh, at the end totally. of the day, I can just go watch this guy sing that song; it'll make me cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, how much do you think about when you're going through everyday life? Obviously, you're taking stuff in all the time. We are taking stuff in all the time, and uh, you're going to use it inevitably in performance. Is that something you consciously think about as you're watching people? Do you consciously? Oh yeah, I mean, at this stage of my life, I I'm very aware of every observation that I make that I am interested or charmed by or or into in any capacity is it definitely goes into like a rolodex of remember that and because because it often speaks to you in some form or for some reason it's like the way in which this guy kept rubbing his hands on his pants really said this thing about him as he talked this nervous energy it's all it's like it's so perfectly captured in this visual that you you put that in your toolbox yeah yeah right how much thought do you give to the backstory that's not written in the text and the like I call it the spice of of the the dish, and the, let's say the text is the you're making a stew, and the text is the tomatoes and the meat. The spice is the stuff that's not quite in there. Do you think about that kind of thing, or do you not? I do, and I I I, I will say that like if I it's when I don't necessarily understand the piece or connect to it or on some level just uh don't like it that i have to do the most of that kind of thinking sure yeah, yeah. and and uh and i maybe even do myself a disservice by functioning in that way because the the real answer is that you can never do too much thinking about any one aspect of the whole thing it really is all preparation and like i uh, you know i've i've heard uh Many actors make that joke that, you know, they get paid to wait because, like, the amount of time. And that thing that I did in South Africa, I mean, I was flown all the way to South Africa to work for about four hours, right. you know, and then was done. So, like, not a lot of actual work time. But it's not accurate to say that we get paid to wait because so much of that waiting isn't just simply waiting and picking your nose. It is really thinking about what you need to do, what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, what kind of energy you're going to bring to set when you get there. Everything informs it. Yeah. You know, the relationship I have with the crew, if I let them know it's okay to joke with me or if I let them know it's not okay to joke with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's all setting a tone that should be in line with what the tone of the piece is. And so, what are you doing in your trailer, generally speaking? I mean, are you a guy who reads in there, watches TV, or are you a guy? Are you just all always thinking about the part? I'm always thinking about the part. I mean, like on the, on that thing I just finished when I was in my trailer, I was really trying to imagine uh, the night before and. Uh, getting shot at and shooting people <laughs> that's an experience i've never had but like you try to you try to put I, I try to i try to put myself in and keep myself in a state uh so that i'm ready yeah yeah and and you'll do that all day if you're if you're i mean like yeah yeah with i mean the the break would be that i'd take a nap yeah but i don't give my i don't necessarily give my mind a rest from it unless that's required unless i know that like part of my and it is actually like part of my mechanism is that like i get wound up but i can't stay on the edge for 
too, too long because I'm going to get exhausted. Yeah. Uh, or I'm going to try to keep that alive. And that's different than doing. It's that Yoda, do or do not. There is no right. try, right? So, like, you want to be doing it and not trying. So, like, whatever you have, whatever dance you have to do with yourself psychologically, emotionally, physically to, to know how quickly you can get to the edge and how long you can stay there. Yeah, yeah. You know? Right, yeah. Um, do you, uh, are you, so you, would you say that you work mostly from the inside out or the outside in? Do you know what I mean by that? Not really. Okay, so do you work, do you ever work, and from what you said and from what I know of you, you seem to be a guy who works from the inside out, which means you find where the character lives in you. There are some actors who will do it the opposite, will be trying to find, like we talked about the physicality or glasses or, uh, you know, physical stuff. Have you ever worked that way? Have you ever started to find a character by doing things outside? Yeah, I, I have. Um, again, like I guess, like I guess, if if anything, this conversation is just revealing that there isn't really no hard, fast rule to my process. Because like that has happened in certain times. I remember, like particularly with some comedic stuff, where I've um, created a physical look and way of moving and carrying myself, which starts to then inform what I'm what I have going on on the inside. But right. uh, but I'm really. I, I would say that about my my skill set is that I'm much more open today than I used to be. Like I'm much more willing to try things and like I'm much more willing to um, uh, introduce new techniques that mm-hmm. like I, that I might not have previously been comfortable with. How important do you think that is to be to be open to that as opposed to not being open to that? Well, I think that at the end of the day, it's like the most important thing that you can do as an artist is to stay open and be as open as possible. And you discover whether it's, you know, through your work or through meditation or, or any aspect of your life that the more open you are, the, like it just it's you're, you're never going to be all the way open. There's always like, again, it's that peak behind you. There's one more, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do you think do you think have you ever been a guy who's who's done anything dramatic in terms of physicality? I mean, are you a guy who's like, do you think about that in terms of of movement outside of specifically for a role, just in general being open to movement? Or do you think about all of those kinds of aspects of of life? What do you mean, like a dramatic? Like, Well, I, so, I mean, some people, for example, have lost a bunch of weight for a role or will be, you know, think about or gained a bunch of weight for a role or uh, will think about as two examples, or we'll think about how they want to be go through life in the physical sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's something you ever considered or not so much? Well, would it, would it be role dependent maybe? Well, it's, it's interesting because like you can, you can definitely change your physicality to give a different impression. Uh, that's that I, I haven't often been presented with that opportunity in the parts that I read for. And it's because I kind of walk this line. It's like, uh, you know, I'm a white guy and I'm, I'm over six feet tall with, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not overweight and I have blue eyes. I fall into a certain kind of type visually that, um, uh, you know, it's just, it's just really funny. Like how you, how you fit into the the roles versus how you'd like to fit in. Like I would like to be much more of a character actor than the parts that I read for. I haven't, how do you describe that though? Like, did I not, I haven't been given those opportunities or I haven't found or made those opportunities. You know, like I could take a year off and knock the teeth, uh, the gap out of my teeth and let my hair grow long and curly and start to look like a crazy mountain man. And like, mm-hmm. uh, and then be really right for those parts. But there's a whole bunch of stuff in Vancouver that I wouldn't be right for. And like, unfortunately I, I do let the climate of the industry inform how, how I function. And maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know. Like I feel like I just feel like if I if I transform myself too much physically, I'm just never going to work. Yeah. And uh, and I like to work. So uh, and and uh, you know like it's interesting to read about uh, performers who have gained weight or lost weight for a role or or learned this or learned that. There's not that much turnaround time for the kinds of parts I'm reading for and the kind of work that I'm doing where you can actually really do that. No, and I guess what I meant since I I get that and I I know that's the case. Uh, I guess what I meant is just in terms of. Um, we all generally go out for certain kinds of roles, like mm-hmm. you say, and uh, and you think about the the how that physically manifests itself in your life, or and obviously your answer is yeah, you do a little bit. Yeah, and I also like it makes me think of I, I 
sent an audition tape for Vikings a while ago. And I happen to have a beard at the time, and when my beard grows out, it's really gray, so it ages me up. And uh, But I'd also, I did, because I was in control of that audition tape, and I really, I did hold myself in a way and even speak with a timber to my voice that really did change me physically. Yeah. And that was fun to do. And then neat to see that when you watch it, like it was kind of seamless. Like you couldn't tell that like, I'm nothing like that actually. Right. And, and that was fun to do. And I, and I, and I like finding opportunities to do that when I can, because uh, you'd be surprised at how like a, a slouch or like a, uh, uh, a way you hold your face or your body or you know facial hair, whatever, can really transform somebody to, to make them almost unrecognizable. Yeah, yeah. Are you a guy who likes rehearsal? Uh, it depends. It depends. Uh, I would say that I'm a guy who really likes. Uh, I, you know, I don't like to do a lot of takes. Um, ever. Ever. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, I like. I I like. Uh, I like the mystery. I like not knowing. I like not knowing what's going to happen. And and I also, I don't like it when we do multiple takes and everyone starts to get, it's not lazy. It's it's that it becomes more difficult to keep it fresh and, and seemingly like it's been done for the first time. Um, so the, I feel like the power and the magic generally starts to diminish as the amount of takes build. Yeah. Right, so uh, I mean, that leads me to to do you plan those moments? Are you going to let them happen as they as they do? Then that makes me think that you're a guy who lets the moments happen, so you're finding it fresh. I do, like I do let the moments. Happen. I, I there are like sometimes I will plan things that aren't necessarily even scripted because it's a way to, uh, sup- like you know, just keep that magic alive. You know, like um, there's nothing more exciting than when something is discovered in a scene. Where like uh, an unscripted thing happens that, uh, but it happened because the performer. I was watching the other day. There's like a moment in the the one of the uh, Batman movies where uh, Heath Ledger tries to uh, blow up the building, but the clicker doesn't work, and so he stands there and shakes it and rattles it, and then finally it does blow up. And this was like an improvised moment because it just the timing of the effect didn't happen when it should have. But like. You know, the guy doesn't break character and he like makes it a part of what's happening. Yeah. And it's really great. And like it's a celebrated thing. People love this. It's really cool. Like and, yeah, and yeah. those kind of things, you know, like the, the ex- that's that is movie magic, you know, like the discovery of these things. Yeah. Right. How much do you think about about marketability to get back to the, the thing we we're just kind of talking about, I guess? Um, or do you make choices on what you think will be about marketable? Do you know what I mean? Uh, in in your own life, uh, I, I don't really think, I don't really think much about marketability. Like you mean, like who's this movie for, and like how well is it going to perform, and all this. In kind any of stuff? sense, like, sure, but I mean, like we, I guess we aren't often given that opportunity. I meant more just, uh, uh, sure, that too. But I meant more just about your own marketability and uh, how much do you think about like oh, I got to do this because it'll, it'll, you know, if I if I do this, if I gear myself towards this role, it'll help me get the next thing. Or is it just by case by case basis as a thing comes up? You know, I guess I was never really too um, influenced by that kind of stuff. Like I was, I I was just never a guy who enjoyed going to the gym. I didn't feel like I needed to go to the gym when when my when my peer group started going to the gym like twenty years ago, and I I laughed. I thought like, why are we going to the gym? We're all in shape. Like, what are you what are you going to the gym for? Oh, because they wanted to look at naked and have bigger, stronger muscles and like be more whatever that is, whatever that thing is, like more leading man or camera ready, or I don't even know. Like uh, I was never interested in it. And, and I certainly know actors that have made the choice to go to the gym and get in really great physical shape so that they could be more competitive as the lead guy and play superheroes. And Besides the like, physical uh, though, do you think about, uh, cause yeah, I get that. But the, but the, besides that, do you think about how, what, do you ever think about how your what choices you make or how you're going to? I mean, obviously going. So, for example, when you're a young man, you go down to L.A. The idea being that you're going to book stuff in L.A. Do you still think about those things? Do you still think about I need to get this kind of job so that I can do this next thing, or is it just covers it may? Oh yeah, no, I. Uh, no, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I, I'm not. Ang- I'm not angling in that way to like. I need to get this so that I can get that. I. Uh, 
what I really enjoy these days the most actually is that I'm like I'm old enough to play men mm-hmm. and like I'm playing men who have the complications that men have and the obstacles that men have and in this way there's not so much uh, emphasis put on looking or being a certain way a type because they just really just they need a man yeah. <laughs> you know and right. I like that like let the younger guy run and jump over the hoods of cars and rip his shirt off and look great while he kisses the girl great I'll, I'd like to like be a slightly older gentleman in the back in a suit who's like approving or disproving of that yeah 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 <laughs> Um, what what excites you about a part? Is it a, is it the story of the part, or, or is it the role, or your specific role, or the story in general? Again, it kind of depends on what the what the project is, because you know, like there's just straight up action stuff. There's like really deep emotional drama that's insightful or whatever. Like so, like I mean, I can I can get excited about like being in a car chase without any demand put on me to do anything else. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I I do. Uh, I do enjoy um, uh, thinking about and meditating on like the, the the deeper qualities of human interaction. So if it's like a heavy drama piece, I get excited for whatever might be at stake in that. Like I generally just kind of like the process. Right. Yeah. yeah. What's the, what's your favorite thing you've worked on? Well, you know, I've had a few a few pretty great experiences but I would say that like one of the resonating things that I enjoyed working on was Carl Besides Johnny Carl Besides a filmmaker in Canada who's uh, uh, I worked with when I was in my very late teens I think it was like 19 maybe oh maybe a little older than that but uh, we shot a film together in Toronto that was uh, right on the coattails of that whole Lars von Trier Ten Commandments of Independent Filmmaking the Dogma dogma, Manifest and so we shot this uh, quite gritty film about squeegee kids in Toronto panhandling for change over the course of the winter and as it happened there was a massive snowstorm in Toronto that year that just became a part of the scenescape for the film and that whole experience was really incredible and then, uh, and then I've done some fun stuff, I'd, and and fun for different reasons. So, sorry, know, yeah. was the you were is it? It was obviously scripted. Yeah. And uh, uh, what was it about that it was so joyful? What was the? It was just working in that way, which was uh, a relatively young, inexperienced group of actors all playing gritty, dirty, poor kids on the street. We kind of lived the movie because we were also we were adhering to the dogma manifesto so we were really going for it and kind of living like squeegee kids while we shot it and and carl was uh carl really encouraged bad behavior (laughs) and so well just like i mean there was like uh 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 I mean, we like if we had to drink beer and smoke weed in the scene, we did it because this is verite, right? And right? Like, I mean, if there was like any sort of awkward or uh, you know, like there was like because we're all young and there's a couple girls, a couple guys. If there's anything weird sexually happening, it was like really great, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. make sure that that conflict lives on film or whatever. So like it was, it was. Uh, you know, it's like I feel like it was everything that you sort of fantasized making like Taxi Driver was about. You know, it's like gritty and dirty and really like real and crossing lines and shooting without permits and all this kind of stuff right. or like this ultimately really in your face kind of film. And uh, so that was a great experience. How was that movie received? Uh, really well, really well. It was like it was one of Carl's first films. I think maybe it was his first film. And uh, at the Toronto Film Festival, it, it got in, and I was presented with a, um, a special jury citation for my performance. Now, Toronto doesn't give out awards. It's not a festival that gives out awards. So this is like a pretty significant thing right. that they uh, acknowledged my performance. And it, um, it got me on Felicity in Los Angeles, oh, like cool. that, that, that whole thing. How much do you think that the, the, how a project is received influences how you feel about it when you look back on stuff? Or does that play into it at all? Like your your look, when you look back at stuff that you've done throughout the course of your career, how much does how it did, how people liked it, does that matter to you? Um, no, right? No, not really. Uh, I mean, look, look. I mean, yes, if they loved it and if it's beloved. I don't. I don't have anything on my resume that people look back on. And they're like, oh, remember that? <laughs> like, I, yeah. like. Uh, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, whether people liked or didn't like it. I mean, look, there's a lot of stuff that I've done that I haven't even seen. 
you know, uh, that's changing because of the technology. I, I, I see there's now new and exciting ways to find all manner of strange shows I did back in the day <laughs> online. But, uh, yeah, there's a ton of stuff that I never saw. And, and even when I was doing it or in retrospect or at any point along the way, I knew what it was. Like it was like it's it's nothing to get to. Look, when you're working in the business, it's nothing to get too excited about. Like I tell my mom or like an uncle or something that I'm in some TV movie and they're super excited. That's like the coolest thing they've ever heard. Right. And and but for me it's like uh you know, it's like I was like uh you know, choir boy number 2 crossing the street in that sure. one scene and so like I you know, like I don't really I don't really care. Like I <laughs> right. I, I enjoyed the experience on the day. It's not yeah. something that was made for me to ever enjoy to watch. It wasn't made for me. I was just a part of it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just a couple more questions, but they're big ones. <laughs> okay, <laughs> get ready. Uh, so, w- uh, why do you act? Um, why are you an actor? I'm. I mean, it's just this is a very complicated answer because, like, uh, there have been a number of different reasons over the years why I've been an actor. To begin with, it was because it was uh, it promised uh, fame and fortune, mm. uh, and it was fun. Uh, the fun part has always stuck around. It's still fun. Uh, but now I'm not a seeker of fame and fortune and I've had levels of fame and fortune and I, I've, I've gone most of my life without actually having to have a real job, which is a feat unto itself. I have a real job. I mean, I've worked as an actor, but, uh, uh, when I, yeah, when I started, it was, uh, to serve my own ego and to make money and, and have fun. Uh, now, and at a certain point along the way there too, I mean, probably by the time I was in my twenties, I was becoming interested in the psychology of acting, for that very reason, which is uh, I don't know why I do things half the time when I do them, but like I'm expected to know for the sake of my character. And so that kind of exploration has always resonated with me as a performer. And it's a big part of the reason why I still really enjoy acting is I like that psychology. I like I like thinking about why I did or didn't do something or how I felt and and why I felt that way. And and that is a big part of acting. Um uh, I also love acting because it's the circus. I mean, everybody knows it. It's the big white trucks. The circus is in town. Something exciting's happened. Tents go up. Do 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 do. You know, this is just it's fun. Like yeah, every yeah. every kid wants to run away and join the circus. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then the final thing would be that there's just like there's it's just very exciting. You meet exciting and interesting people that do exciting and interesting things and have exciting and interesting ways of telling you that, and that's just a fun thing to be a part of. I uh, I've, this is not a question I, I plan, but I've, is there any books? That you've read that would that are books that you would recommend to other actors, or like, are you a guy who's read? I, I don't know why this just occurred to me, but are you a guy who's read books specifically? There's books. Uh, there's books in my life that I just was thinking about that uh, that I recommend on a regular basis. Do you have that in terms of uh, thinking about the psychology of people or, or whatever, anything? <coughs> Excuse me. Are there books or like... books or references, reference points? I don't know, music books, something. Is there something that that like, well, how do you think about the psychology of people? And is there stuff that you could give somebody else to say this is what you should look at? Uh, no, actually, honestly, no. There isn't like a one writing that I could point to that would really, or I mean, I'd have to think about it. But off the top of my head, I I don't have one. I I, I put it more in terms of, um, yeah, uh, I don't have like a like an immediate source material. Yeah, yeah, just everything. No. Life. Yeah, life is a source material. Uh, what's the job of the actor? Well, in society, uh, I mean, as a big sense, I mean, take however you want. But what I really meant when I came up with the question was, in the biggest sense, what's the job of the actor? Right. Uh, I mean, really, it's like, I mean, I wanted to make some joke about blowing somebody on a casting couch. But like, really, it's like, (laughs) it's what is the job of the actor is to like, um, to primarily it's to entertain and, and ideally also educate. You know, or to like, oh, I mean, it sounds so pompous to say it. Well, I, I educate. But like, no. I mean, I, you know, I mean, some of the best um, uh, cinema out there, film, television, whatever, like uh, it, it, it tells you a little something about yourself or the world around you. It makes you see something in a different way. And that's we can always use more of that. Yeah. Good answer. If uh, do you have an actor that you looked up to growing up or you look up to currently? Is there somebody that you can think of living? Well, I mean, and and again, like this is like, you know, there's an evolution to everything. Like when I was a kid, like my favorite actor was Mel Gibson Hmm. and I wanted to be Mel Gibson and not actually even in that sense of like, I understand what acting is and would like to be an actor and be like that kind of actor. I just thought Mel Gibson was super cool. I wanted to like be Mel Gibson. Um, But today I really gravitate to um, 
like one of one of my favorite uh, actors currently is Shia LaBeouf, and it's because I just think the guy's such a genuine artist, and he's really talented, and uh, and I'm always interested to see what he's doing. I feel similar to Joaquin Phoenix, and I also like. Um, I feel like I'm saying a lot of the people everybody else would say, but like I also no, I really so. like uh, Michael Fassbender. Right. I, I like where that guy comes from, um, and and it's interesting because like, and it's one of the things that's really great about television right now is that uh, a lot of films seem to be a, a franchise or temple films that require a certain kind of thing that isn't necessarily rooted in like uh, actors that that bring a lot of depth and. Uh, and depth is always interesting to explore. And so, like, I would feel like that's the one thing that's really uh, a commonality amongst those actors I cited is that they, they seem like pretty deep people yeah, yeah. that consider themselves artists as well uh, and not just spokespeople for a fragrance or a watch who are making lots of money wearing spandex or whatever. Cool. Well, Christopher William Martin, uh, we can find you obviously on imdb.com, Christopher William Martin. The, the way it's spelled is the way it sounds. Where it's actually not. Know? And this has been like, oh, okay. since we've known Great. each other, this has been a thing, which I allow because I find it charming, is that you call me Christopher yeah. and my name is just Chris. Uh-huh. And so it's Chris uh-huh. William Martin. It's not Christopher. That's hilarious. Yeah. So Chris William Martin. So That's right. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. So the, uh, no, no Topher. Uh, where else can we find you? Is there, I know you're not on Twitter or Facebook, any of that. So I've there... stayed away from all that. So you can call me directly if you have my number. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I'll see you lurking at some audition in the near future. All right. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you.